Garage Guys NASCAR podcast is brought to you by Hooters. That's right. Hooters is for race day. Hooters is for garage guys. We all know this. And right now, if you download the Hooters app or go to order.hooters.com and use promo code garage guys, you're going to save $10 on any $30 or more to go order. That offer is valid at participating locations for delivery and carry out orders $30 or more. And use promo code garage guys while dining in just by telling your Hooters waitress about promo code garage guys to save you $10 on any $40 plus dine in order valid at HOA locations for food, non-alcoholic beverages and merchandise. Enjoy your Hooters and enjoy the garage guys NASCAR podcast. It's the garage guys NASCAR podcast, the Daytona playoff race, the Coke zero sugar 400 Chris Busher. He won it. RFK. Brad K, is he soft? Dale asked me that question. We're going to talk all about it. We're also going to talk a little bit about uh, where we were this past weekend, which was Worldwide Technology Raceway, the Bomberito 500, or the IndyCar Oval World Finals, as we like to call them. Scott Dixon took that one home. We have a lot to unpack. We just got back off the road. Dale, uh, I'm sure you are just as tired as I am. Uh, how are you feeling? Yeah, long uh traveling weekend but it was fun it was needed and always good to to be with our phenomenal partners over at worldwide technology raceway love uh chris blair and and all the guys and girls that help us out and make it a really really fun weekend and the indycar race itself was compelling scott dixon master class strategy once again to kind of steal a win you got the nine shaved in your chest, and that was totally for Scott Dixon, not Chase Elliott, right? So, um, got got to meet Scott Dixon, got to talk with our guys, you know, uh, Scotty Mack, Connor Daly, our guy Andy that works heavily in the team Chevy camp. So, yes, very fun weekend, and the Daytona weekend was amazing as well. And I hope everybody that got to go down there and experience that beautiful weather and beautiful racing enjoyed it as well. But overall. Uh, and then you had the Netflix Grand Prix and wherever it was, Netherlands, I think, which is kind of a cool track. Who knows? Um, but yeah, good weekend of racing. Oh, and, and trucks in Milwaukee was also a good race. So good weekend of racing. Not great for bets, but overall, I'm happy we were where we were at because I had a blast. Just going to have to uh, have to get another job here soon because the 401k took a beating at Daytona. It's uh yeah, it's always another level at Worldwide, man. It's uh it, it's fun. We got to check out some things we never checked out before, uh, this time too. And uh, also just uh just crazy people, man. Just just crazy fun, good people all the time. Like at the track, there, there's so much. We got a lot of good content up. If you don't go follow Worldwide Technology Raceway on all social media platforms, you'll get to check out some of the content that Dale and I did uh, over the weekend there. And uh, we got some more stuff uh, in the in the arsenal too. So we got a couple more videos that are going to be coming out this week that we shot while we were there. But yeah, overall, like you said, um, just, just a good time. And shout out, I saw one of our guys, I saw a guy, Ozzy, on Twitter. He was rocking the Garage Guys shirt out at Daytona and had a bunch of people tagging us over there. So if, if only we could be in two places at once, you know, uh, we'd have been able to float back and forth. But I think that uh, it's it's a good place to to start this thing off. Is you know this is the Garage Guys NASCAR podcast, so I think NASCAR 
That's what we should do. I, I got to um, I got to watch some highlights of the race, and I also was listening to the race live on the toilet at Target uh, once we left the track after uh, the rain delay. So I know that you and I were going to try to link up to watch that that night, but uh, definitely finished it out with no visual on MRN in a Target bathroom. Yeah, I, I got to watch it. I was watching in my hotel room. Um, yeah, Saturday was the only thing that kind of sucked about the IndyCar weekend, and it's nobody's fault except for Mother Nature's, of course. But, um, yeah, the race was electrifying. You know, it was the Xfinity race, which I did want to give a word on that. It was, I still think, was a better race because it uh, came down to a photo finish. It's always really cool to see photo finishes happen, and it was uh, very dramatic all the way to the end. And those cars are just... Just once again, the staple of natural NASCAR racing is the NASCAR Xfinity Series. And every week, they, they do something amazing and something better than the Cup Series offers every single week. And, you know, I hate that because I think more and more that that's what the Cup guys should be driving. But I'm not giving up on the Gen 7. But the Saturday night race, um, and yes, I don't want to hear any Sheldon Creed slander. Justin Allgaier, friend of the show, congrats on the dub. Uh, Sheldon Creed, the win is coming. We know it. I'm. I, I, he's going to be a factor at Darlington, which is upcoming this weekend. But uh, proud of Sheldon, keeping it up there. Hell of a race, and um, the win will come. I'm telling you, and it will come before the end of 2023. Mark my words. But in the Cup race, it was electrifying. It was dramatic. It was really the first Gen Seven Super Speedway race. You know, I'm not going to include Atlanta because Atlanta is a drafting track, but not a super speedway, which the second Atlanta race this year was awesome. Rain shortened. But this truly was a first Gen 7 super speedway race where it was chaotic without the wrecking, right? It was wrecking without the wrecking. Like every lap, you know, in the early stages, everybody's pushing to the front. And usually what happens when everybody's pushing to the front at any point in a race the wrecks happen. The big one happens. And they did have the one big one at the end of stage two. One bad bump is what caused it with Ty Gibbs, Christopher Bell. Outside of that, it was a very clean race. And really, really appreciated that the ability of these drivers to finally have a have a race where it was very competitive, a lot of passing, a lot of moving around everybody on edge and, and not a complete crash fest. You know, I, so I love that. And um, yeah, I, I did tweet a hot take, or maybe some people would say it's a cold take. I, I just can't, um, I can't understand a scenario in which Brad Kozlowski doesn't go for the win in that spot. Final lap on the backstretch, Brad could have dipped out, gone to the bottom and there's probably a good chance I think it's higher than 50%, 70%, 75% chance that if Brad K makes a move on that final lap, there's a great chance that him and Busher race side by side back to the line and decide it as a sports better. I, I, I can't, I just think it's so soft as a fan without the sports betting. I still think it's soft. If I wasn't betting on that race and the checkered flag waves, just how it did, I still can't believe Brad K didn't even try to make a move when this is a champion driver that hasn't won in two years. And he's watched his, 
I guess now his protege in a way, Chris Buescher now went four times and Brad K. I mean, I just, people are like, well, he doesn't want to crash him or he's thinking about the long term and the championship. You really think behind the wheel, he's thinking about that. I mean, I, I just don't, I can't, I cannot sit here and, and agree with that. And, but I also can't understand why he didn't make a move. Maybe he thought he would have a shot off of turn three, off of turn four, but unfortunately the run behind him deteriorated when they went three wide. But yes, as a Brad K better, a Sheldon Creed better, I'm upset. Nothing Sheldon really could have done, but Brad can't believe you didn't go for the win. I don't think Brad K is a soft driver. You know, I put that in the tweet. I don't think he's a soft driver. But I do think not going for the win when you're a cup champion, you hadn't won in two years. I do think that is kind of soft. Like everybody talks about, I would wreck my own mother to win a race, right? Like so many drivers have used that kind of phrase before. Where the hell was that, Brad? You've watched your teammate clinch a playoff spot, win a bunch of races. Where are you at when it's your time to win a goddamn race? So, you know, obviously if I had... Betting on it made it a hundred times worse, but even if I hadn't bet, I would still be questioning right here. Can't believe Brad didn't try to go for the win there. Well, to go back on what you were saying about like, I can't believe Brad would be thinking about that when it comes to being in terms of like the, the, the championship or whatever. I do think Brad thinks that. So I'm, I can maybe disagree with you a little bit here because Brad is like mama bird now. Okay. He's like Mr. Miyagi at this point right like at some point a, a, a person can lose their competitive edge and that could be a thing you know it could very well be a thing for brad you don't ever want to think about that for brad k but it could be a thing but i really do think the logical thing here is he is he's obviously all in on rfk as him being an owner i mean he's 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 the p diddy of nascar he's all up in chris's victory lane just like p diddy was all up in biggie's videos you know so you know when you think about it from that standpoint and you've got these guys behind you it's it's like when you've got that kind of an advantage in this race where you know your teammate uh, and driver is right there in front of you and you're kind of wedging between them it was kind of like that you know it, it's very loosely to state this but kind of like that dale earnhardt moment in a way where it's like a lot of you know, people are saying that on twitter yeah like, well i'm glad i haven't seen that they said that on twitter so for me that came from my brain well um, i got a lot of uh i did get some flack for saying he was not even just like yes the soft driver thing mm -hmm. i don't think brad's actually a soft driver but man i was fucking pissed this is about money when i make a comment like that course, like of course. so pissed because no. i've watched brad we've watched brad how many times has he run second this year or been in an opportunity to win a race and it just hasn't happened? He got past at Atlanta last lap. Uh, fall Atlanta was the top guy, dominant guy, was not going to be denied. The The reins came and took that one away. He was in position to contend for a win at, at Spring Talladega. He was in position to win the Daytona 500. And most of these races, I have bet on him too. So it's very frustrating in that aspect. But also... I get the Dale Earnhardt thing and I do get the mama bird. That's a great reference. Like, yeah, he is kind of his ownership role. And in, in that situation, he's thinking one of us needs to win this motherfucker. But if you go back and watch that last lap, I want to watch it right now as we're talking. Um, you go back and watch that last lap on the final lap on the white flag lap. 
Coke Zero, what was it? Coke Zero Sugar 400, boom, 2023, blah, 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 blah. When you go back and watch that final lap, Brad K cleared the second, which he's the ma- he's the most masterful pusher in the Cup Series, right? The, Dale Jr. and all those guys kept talking about that. But when they cleared that second lane, it's just them two out in front, like a tandem. When they cleared that second lane on the final lap, on the backstretch, I cannot believe Brad doesn't make a move there. Because like I said, unless you let somebody put you three wide, there's such a high probability that they that one of the two guys wins that race. I truly believe that because most of the time, unless the guys wreck each other, which I don't think Chris Buescher would have put some crazy-ass block on his owner boss, right? Brad has helped him so much, uh, obviously, and helped him to get into a position to win that race. I don't think you get a crazy-ass block by Busher that puts their chance of winning in jeopardy. So as I watch this again, I mean, my God, Brad just shoved the shit out of him off of two. Off of two, Almirola gets a big run. He gets a big hit. Then Almirola gets stalled out by Harvick, and it's just them two. You pause it halfway down the back. Brad's hooked up to Busher. He can lean out, go to the bottom, and immediately go side-by-side side with him. Busher hits him with the side draft, keeps him side-by-side side back to the finish line. The only way they lose is if somebody goes three wide, like an Eric Almirola, who was not aggressive at all. A lot of people were bitching about that, who bet on Eric not being aggressive in those last eight to ten laps trying to take the lead. So I just really think, even if I didn't bet on this, I still believe in that moment on the backstretch, Brad K could have pulled out, gone for the win, and one of the two RFK cars have a high probability of taking the checkered flag. Yeah, to wrap that up, that's basically just, uh, it, in my opinion, that is uh, him just being an owner and doing uh, doing what it takes, knowing that he's already in the playoffs. Uh, Chris is definitely already in the playoffs. It's just kind of playing it safe, not trying to get too aggressive and let somebody else come up from behind and take those things away. Um, moving forward into uh, this race, though, I mean, we got uh, uh, Martin Truex Jr. Got him a stage win, as usual. He was rolling the Ducks car. It always seems like, you know, Martin can never find a way to uh, to finish out here. But, you know, good for him for finding a way to get some type of finish rolling in that uh, that Ducks Unlimited. You never really see the Ducks Unlimited anymore. Stage two, obviously, Kez took that one after the big one. And that's kind of uh, my my next thing that I want to bring up was the fact of Bell and Gibbs, you know, working together on the high line and ultimately to uh, to cause each other to to wreck out just the young boys. You know, we, we call Chris Bell a boy for a long time. And then you've got, uh, you know, little Eric Jr., Ty Gibbs, uh, Eric from Billy Madison. So it, to see that happen and then for them to catch Blaney up in that was pretty heartbreaking. Because, uh, you know, Blaney's one of those guys that you always want to bet on in a super speedway. And he uh, luckily he was good to go. It was a tough hit that he took. Uh, nowhere near as tough as Ryan Priest's uh, hit, which we'll get into. But oh, I totally disagree with that. I mean, did my God. Think that, uh, did think that it was pretty, pretty hilarious that, uh, that those two guys are up there and they're, they're taking it down for, for Joe Gibbs. And it's just your, uh, your young competition. For uh for for the JGR team, you know they're, they're keeping it going, keeping it good for uh for the eyes of the Lord there for uh for old granddaddy. But it, the field. It, it sucks for uh it sucks for Ryan though, man, because it's just he did get the Charlotte win, but it's it's been a minute since he's gotten a Daytona dub, and 
you start to just, I guess, as Blaney fans out there, and I'm sure that a lot of them are feeling this way, it's just like, man, he's just, should he just start running in the back until the end of the race, you know? And, and I, I, I don't know. I just, uh, it's tough to see a guy go from being that hardcore, always there towards the end, and then for something like that to happen, but that's super speedway racing. So uh, it doesn't really affect him much. Chase Elliott really was the, uh, the big one because last year Blaney was in the position that Chase was in. And, uh, and now it, the story's flipped. Chase doesn't get it. And I think that that's uh, – I don't even know how to look at it at this point. You've got a bunch of people saying that they're not going to watch the playoffs if Chase isn't there. And then he gets the fourth-place finish. He laid it all out on the line. He gave it everything that he had. It's just those two guys, Blaney getting wrecked out, pretty normal stuff. But Chase not making the playoffs um, is – you almost don't want to believe it. It's almost like it's not, not real kind of, you know. I'm wondering how yeah. it's going to impact. How do you think it's going to impact things? I don't know. Um, I think I, I I will be surprised if we see some major uptick in viewership. I think it does hurt some because, you know, Chase Elliott's fans are kind of like the Dale Jr. fans of today. Not as ravenous, but, you know, they're they're they have that same energy and they live or die Chase Elliott. So I think it will hurt a little bit, but. I don't think it's that big of a deal because every single great driver has missed a NASCAR postseason. Every single one. Every single one. Now, if you want to dig into the playoff era when the chase left and it was uh, the 16 drivers elimination style each, each every three races, I think the only guys that have qualified for every playoff, this is since 2014, uh, Kyle Busch, Kevin Harvick, Denny Hamlin, and Kurt Busch, technically, because Kurt did qualify for the playoffs last year before he got hurt. He did not participate in the playoffs, so, so I'm guessing that wouldn't count uh, because of his injury. And I, we do need to say a word on Kurt Busch announcing his retirement. That's huge news um, at this point. But uh, so even with the playoff format that everybody's like, oh, it's so easy to get in. It's so easy to get in. Since 2014, there's only three drivers that have participated in every single playoff. Kurt, or I'm sorry, Kyle Busch, Denny Hamlin, Kevin Harvick. And if you want to include the basic chase for the cup, that was 20 or 2004 to 2013, nobody. There's not a single driver who has made every single postseason. So, oh, wait, did I say, look, I'm delusional. Did I say Kevin Harvick? No. Okay, so yeah, no, I'm sorry. I missed one. It's Kyle Busch, Denny Hamlin, Kevin Harvick, and uh, Kyle Busch, Denny Hamlin, Kevin Harvick. Wait, yeah, I did say Harvick, didn't I? Yes. Fuck, yeah. man. We're tired, aren't we? We are very tired. We are very tired, and for all of you listening to this, we thank you, and we appreciate you, and we love you, and, and just keep the radio on. Okay. It's Harvick, Denny, Kyle. Yeah, so anyway, my point oh. is like, I don't think it's – I just don't think it's that big of a deal because at some point in their careers, everybody misses a playoff. And in this case, Chase only missed really because he was hurt. The way he ran, he was pretty consistent. Um, if, if he had only missed – if he had missed two or three less races, Chase probably gets in on points. So, you know, it happens. Alex Bowman missed two. He's been a playoff guy the last couple of years in a Hendrick car. Um, as you said last year, talking about how – 
close Blaney was to missing. Truex missed last year. Now he's probably the it was the because of to win a title. It was because yeah. of Truex doing that. So it's like when that race was extended and it was prolonged, it was like Blaney was able to get the advantage on Truex there, and that's how he got into the playoffs. He took it. Yeah, away. he he picked up spots because all the cars that wrecked in the rain, uh, which. I th- yeah, I think you're right. I don't know for sure, but regardless, Austin Dillon won that race and pushed Truex out. Regardless of how it happens, though, every champion, every big time driver misses the playoffs, and this is that one year for Chase Elliott. I think he'll. It's good. It sucks, but it's good because he's got no pressure now, right? He's got no pressure, so he can just go out and race. He's not gonna have a fucking cock ton of microphones in his face every single week, like. He can just go out there and race and and try to win races. We saw several non-playoff guys win races in 2022 in the final 10 races. So very possible. He's been consistent enough. He can go out there and get a win. But, yeah, that's a big storyline. And and Bubba Wallace getting in is a big storyline as well. MJ gets both guys in the playoffs. Denny's happy. High-pressure situation for Bubba Wallace. It seemed like the pressure was affecting him, and he survived. He did what he had to do. He came through, and he got that final spot. So, Happy for Bubba Wallace as well. And as as much as I bitch about Brad K in this spot, Chris Busher deserves a lot of fucking credit, dude. Chris Busher, this is more than a breakout year. I mean, he is, I think right now he's fourth or fifth on the playoff grid. I mean, that's insane. Who would have thought about that heading into 2023? And he's won at three totally different racetracks. So really, really cool for Chris Busher and RFK in general. They both got in and Busher has proven to be a winner in this series. Yeah, he is a as I've always called him, but never really meant it. The mighty Boosh, and now I feel that that he really does become the mighty Boosh. Um, so I love it. You know, we're bushing it real good all around the track, um, and and it's just an exciting time. It's good for Keselowski. It's good for Roush, man. Just them being back in the conversation. So excited for them. Um, you know, and then obviously the, the biggest story, the, the story that captivated the nation, uh, uh, the driver that was just on garage talk on our, uh, on our program podcast is available. Now you can go listen to our interview with Ryan priest was driving a race car with the same colors as garage guys, the pink and the blue, just an electric factory. We were hype. He qualified ninth. We, we talked about, we gave the man the juju and he has the most insane NASCAR flip at Daytona in years. In years. It might be ever, dude. Maybe. Maybe so. But the thing is that I, I love about it, right, is that if you go listen to the podcast and or you watch it on YouTube, hopefully you did both, um, you know, why not? You know, you support, support the brand. Um, the thing that I love the most about it is we really learn who Ryan Priest is. And I've known who Ryan Priest is for a while now. Uh, he is that guy, and he is he's big dick energy dude. Like, he is here to fucking win. He's here for the show. He doesn't have excuses. He's not going to whine and cry. He That's why Tony Stewart brought him to SHR. He's a tough son of a bitch. The fact that he goes from there, he's standing up, he gets out of the car. I know they brought the stretcher out and all that other stuff. Then he tweets out, you got to be tough to be a race car driver afterwards. The tweet itself was the thing for me. And like, I knew it. I knew it from the jump. The moment that I heard he was out of the car, he was moving around, he was okay. I was like, Ryan's good. He's fine. And I know that we're in a situation where it's scary as shit, especially after Ryan Newman in 2020 and, you know, multiple other drivers in in years past, some that have passed away, you know? So 
the thing is, is it's a dangerous track regardless but this car man that car is like I, I put a tweet out earlier today that car did skateboard tricks dude skateboard tricks in the air like tony hawk pro skater 3000 whatever you want to call it was insane and he landed and he survived that shit survived it come out and he still got the energy uh, of a thousand sons i got to i got to send him a message and talk to him and just hearing him come back with just that cocky confidence like that's that is a fucking that that is a legend that dude is a legend and just huge shout out to Ryan Priest for for doing that. And I think he probably gained a ton of fans just for his grit and his toughness and the way he carries himself. But you got to be a tough son of a bitch to to be able to have that mindset getting out of something like that right there, man. So I've, I've, I fuck with Ryan Priest and I hope a lot of other people do, too. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, the, the tweet literally gave me goosebumps. We were at Hooters. Mm-hmm. Shout out to Hooters. You know, we love them. We were at Hooters, and I was like, "Dude, Ryan Priest just tweeted," and I it was it was phenomenal. It was that quick, right? Because you know, typically we see these guys when they go through barrel roll accidents, like they go to the hospital or for precautionary reasons, right? You're probably moving around in the car a lot, dizzy, disoriented, uh, and and you're taking hits too, right? So it is a physical beatdown at the same time, and. For him to respond that quick is awesome, right? Everybody was was nervous because I was nervous because usually, I mean, I was jaw dropped watching that. I had never seen a car do what that what that car did, and I'll dig into that here in a second. But when I saw him get out of the car, and he kind of stood there, and they immediately put him on a stretcher, like he didn't walk away. He got out of the car, got on the stretcher. I was kind of like, damn, okay, I'm still a little nervous just because he didn't really walk out. He got out immediately on a stretcher headed to the hospital so uh it was great to see that and i agree with you i mean it's it's the motto the motto that i like is uh mama ain't raised no bitch right so yeah i love that and i'm gonna do a video breakdown here soon but that wreck and i think it's partially a product of the gen 7 car i've never seen a car get that high up in the air and i went back i watched about an hour and a half in this don't do not recommend while I was driving home. I watched about an hour and a half of footage of barrel rolls flips from 1980 to today. And I can honestly say, I think out of any flip, any barrel roll, that's the highest I've ever seen a race car get off the ground with the exception of maybe a couple wrecks at like a riverside or a road course back in the eighties or the nineties. Those don't count to me because when they would wreck off course, they didn't really have walls at Riverside. They didn't have walls at Sonoma early on. They would hit a hill and just catapult when they would hit these hills, man. Like, and if you guys have watched older NASCAR, yeah. If you guys watch older NASCAR or seen highlights, you, you know what I'm talking about. And that would create flips sometimes. But, um, I, I, from a specific barrel roll crash, like not a, catch fence roll crash like that shit's scary because you're not just involving one driver you're involving multiple drivers and fans at that point uh the ryan newman wreck was gnarly but he was impaled by another race car at 200 miles per hour this is like a elliot sadler barrel roll uh rusty wallace had a couple of these barrel rolls where it's just like you get spun out and you start rolling by yourself you don't hit a wall you don't hit a fence in that regard it is the most gnarly barrel roll i've ever seen in a stock car and if you go watch any data or any old replays 
Rusty Wallace in 93, he did it twice. Daytona and Talladega, his are pretty close. Darrell Waltrip had a bad one. Um, but the air that this car got, I, I just could not believe, man. And as I said earlier, I think it's partially a product of the Gen 7 because the body is so rigid. It acts like a fucking bouncy ball rather than you watch an Elliott Sadler 2003 or a Rusty 93. When they're hitting the ground and they tumble, you just see shit flying everywhere because it's sheet metal. It's sheet metal just going all over the place. And in this case, with the way this car is built with a rigid uh, carbon fiber, yeah, you had some parts flying off, right? But because of how stiff it is, it's going to be a fucking bouncy ball. We saw Chris Buescher wreck and, and flip last year, but it was a very low-speed wreck at Charlotte. This wreck right here uh, was the most gnarly barrel roll flip I've ever seen in my life. And I, I honestly... I think it's, I said Rusty 93 is kind of close. I think this easily takes the cake. I just cannot believe the air this thing got. It literally was like an iRacing video game crash. Like, all the time. Moon car is a great example. People wreck on purpose. They go flying through the air and everybody's laughing and shit. And you're like, dude, that's insane. That's ridiculous physics. It would never happen. Well, guess what? Saturday night a wreck like that fucking happened. And I'm glad Ryan Priest is okay, obviously. The one thing that concerns me, two things, well, the the, air, the amount of air that that car got does concern me uh, because then I'm starting to think about the height of the walls and the fences on the infield of some of these tracks. I mean, that air is unbelievable. And then the second thing a lot of people were talking about is seemed like the roof hatch failed, the window net failed, exposure to the drivers while there is debris flying off the cars is a problem. So other than that, you know, I think the car, the NASCAR is going to take it. They've already taken off the R and D. They're going to inspect it, see what they can do better to, to fix it. But on a worrisome part, that's the second time this year where we've had a big wreck and something in one of the cars was exposed. Kyle Larson at Talladega, his door was exposed when he got hit I think ironically that was by Ryan Freese. So that little that kind of concerns me, but otherwise, um these cars, as much as we want to bitch about the potential safety problems, they are still remarkably safe. And as I said earlier when you were talking, I actually think the Ryan Blaney crash was worse. I do. I really do, because of the just stopping power. When you barrel roll, you flipping, it always looks worse. But if you go back, as I did, and look at old barrel roll crashes, very rarely has a driver died from just a classic barrel roll where a grandstand or a wall or another car was involved because you're dispersing energy when you're crashing. All the shit flying off, constantly flipping through the air, you're winding down the kinetic energy while Ryan Blaney's wreck, as you kind of, well, you didn't say this, but a lot of people on Twitter are saying this looked like Dale Earnhardt's wreck in the 2001 Daytona 500. Ryan Blaney's wreck. All the kinetic energy and stopping power goes straight to him. I mean, he just takes all that on the chin just like that. While Ryan Freese is it's slowly winding the kinetic energy away uh, by flipping in the air. But Ryan Blaney, to me, those are the wrecks that hurt people more than a barrel roll. Regardless, I'm so happy both drivers are okay. And uh, I think both will be racing this weekend. I think Ryan Priest got cleared. I haven't seen a lot on Blaney just because the Priest stuff has taken over the headlines. But I'm really glad everybody's okay because um, other than those two wrecks, it was a clean race and it was a very exciting one. And 
just a constant reminder of what what can happen with the with just any kind of racing when you're going over 190 miles per hour i'm also very glad that they're okay too because i get to say things like he went on x games mode um so yeah i'm excited about it and uh yeah we just we, th- that's two of our guys right there man that's two guys that we we know personally and and that you know w- w- when those kind of developments happen it's like you know it's like having a uh Having somebody out there that you you know just dab up with here and there, you know, you don't want to you don't want to see anything bad happen to them. But yeah, we uh, we're sure. always going to cut up and do our things with with stuff like that as long as everybody's good to go and everybody's okay and uh, just have having fun with it on that end. But I personally, a window net to me, like it's good to to pick those things out. But homie was alive, man. Like that's that's what counts at the end of the day. If it, it, as long as people ain't dying out there on the racetrack, man, that that is a huge W every time. Yeah, and, it, it's just. And I was gonna say too, as far as the the Blaney thing goes, definitely uh, can can understand where you're coming from. I mean, a, a name that nobody ever wants to bring up anymore, and it's totally justifiable. Uh, when Cody Ware popped the wall at Texas last year, he had that concussion and whatnot, having that hard hit. I mean, that's something you can compare it to. And that was also with Bowman having the concussion issue. So definitely want to keep an eye out for uh, any news and reports on his status of a concussion, if that's still a thing. So it might be good to see if they were able to, to figure something out to make it a little less uh, – impactful and i think they have done some things and they did some things in the off season if i'm not mistaken yes so and in this year too because of some of the wrecks that have happened ryan blaney actually praised the way the front clip uh folded i talk about the rigid bodies right we've we've manufactured a little bit of this front clip or changed it to where when they crash it does crunch and that crunch effect is what prevents uh more kinetic energy going straight to the driver right folding Correct. the safer barrier folding you that's one of the the way that safer barrier flex I hadn't seen in a while i mean that safer barrier in slow-mo when blaney hit that wall i mean it fucking moved dude so those factors right there are huge in protecting the driver so a plus uh, on that side of things in the Blaney wreck in particular, which yeah, and that's why that's why I, I had the remark that I did because we knew they were going to do a ton of testing for hits like that because those are the hat the the hits like people comparing it to Earnhardt those are the hits that we have samples of and studies of of like these are the kind that are the worst they did their job there to make it a little bit safer watching and monitoring to see if you had the concussion I just I like the reason I say it's I don't see them. It's like testing for a car to do to the shit that Ryan's car did. You know what I mean? It's just like because, like you said, it's just something that is out of a video game. It was, but it became a reality. Yeah, right. Coming from with it, but I knew that they they had done something to make it a little bit better because you can't just be running around having these dudes out for four weeks at a time like we did last year. So I just don't yeah. see like, like you would literally have to kick iRacing on to just watch it go and then find a way to run analytics on that. They probably didn't do too much time because they're like, well, a car's never done some shit like this before. So, dude, I'm telling you, you, man. I mean, you, I, in my in the Zoom call, I have it as my background. I mean, this car got so fucking high off the ground. It doesn't even make sense. It does not make sense. It is a video game stock crash. It really, really is. I mean, it's unbelievable. 
unbelievable. I, he just I, didn't I, go into the sky. That's the only thing that didn't happen. Like the game didn't shut down. Like the fucking the game that the company just went out of business. You know, yeah, the, motorsport, the shitty, yeah. The, the shitty the game. Case. Yeah. yeah, it didn't go yeah, into just fly away. Yeah, yeah. No, I, I just I've watched the replay so many times, dude. I can't even tell you how many times I've watched it because that feeling of watching it the first time, I was just jaw dropped. I was mind blown. I was mind fucked. I was just sitting there in shock and and, and kind of in agony because I was like, dude, I mean, I, I, you just don't know sometimes, right? You just don't know if they're going to get out of the car. I mean. You hadn't had a moment like that since 2020. Yeah, and, and the Newman crash – yeah, and like I said, you know, the Newman crash is worse because he got impaled by a car in midair at 185 yeah. miles per hour, right? So yeah. thankful that while he was flipping, there wasn't any other opportunity for another car to be involved, and that's typically where the severe injuries happen in flips is when they get hit by another car or they hit up in a grandstand like a Jeff Bodine. Like, you want to talk about the gnarliest crash of all time, it's probably Jeff Bodine in 2000, the truck series, or Michael McDowell texas 2008 but man yeah I, i'm gonna do a breakdown of some of this stuff uh on uh on youtube in the next day so i'm, I'm excited because it's very intriguing that it ultimately safety uh can't take the safety for granted man it's 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 much as we want to complain about this gen 7 car everything uh like you said every both drivers are alive and they're okay that's the top priority so, I mean, we've pretty much, I mean, I know a lot of people are, are out there talking about it. I mean, we can do what everybody else does out here in the world. Uh, I know the another big thing a lot of people were talking about was like, it was like they made a NASCAR made a meme about it was like when Brad K, when they were all stopped and Brad K uh, was doing the, uh, the circles because he thought his car was on fire. Dude, what a genius move to get it out though. Yeah. I mean well, everybody's bitching about the whole like penalty thing. Like from what I've seen on Twitter, like people, that's the big debate right now. Is like sh he should have gotten the penalty or he shouldn't have got the penalty. It's like I I, I thought about it myself, and I, and I had to say like you know like what are some things that drivers do get penalties for that we've seen? Who are the drivers that get these, and who are the drivers that are putting these kind of the, these weird situations that don't happen week to week that kind of get let off the hook, right? And so I think that some teams, from what I was hearing, like. Somebody w was talking about it might have been the door bumper clear guys that were talking about how they didn't think they, they thought he should have still received a penalty for that. So dumb. So and dumb, I I see it like this, like you, you're if you would have had your uh, drop one of your drivers doing some stuff like that, would you still think that you should receive the penalty? Their answer would be, oh, well, yeah, it would be that right now. But what if tables would have turned? They would have been cool with it. They would have been like, yeah, well, it was this kind of a situation. It's going to be one of those things where, you know, the, the person that's going to favor those things are are the people that are fans of that driver or with that team and everybody else that works on other teams that they'll instantly be like, well, it wouldn't have been that way if it would have been us or this and that. It's just like, when else is that going to fucking happen? Like, it's one of those things like, like when have you ever seen a driver get out to do those like when have you ever seen that you I, I i can't think of one time where i've seen something like that the driver shouldn't be penalized here here bottom line that's crazy it's fucking crazy the driver should not be penalized for a a deficiency with the race car we saw that we've seen that with the gen 7 a few times like kevin harvick i think it was at 
Darlington last year where his car just randomly caught on fire. Remember that? One of those, one of the playoff races that happened to Harvick. And we've seen it a couple other times where uh, some kind of electronic issue is caused smoke and then fire in these cars. But Brad he didn't K, like get out of line to like do what Brad did to try to like put it out. I could well, because I, they happen under green flag racing. Exactly. My point here is a driver should not be penalized for a deficiency in a race car and you trying to do something about it instead of letting your car sit there and burn up. Or like that's crazy. That's fucking ridiculous. He it's, felt back it's where a, he was supposed a, to be, right? Yeah, I mean, I think it's genius. Yeah. I mean, if he's really got fire coming out. Instead of being like, fuck, guys, I, I got to get out of here. We're done. Uh, we're on fire. Do something about it. And that's what he did. And it looked hilarious. It was funny. But he 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 got it out. He got the fire or the smoke out. And, I mean, if there's a rule, it, it comes down to if there's a rule in the rule book about when a red flag is out, you know, do you, what's the limit on where you can go while everybody stops like i don't know that rule for sure i mean obviously red flag comes out everybody has to stop if that is a rule in the rule book maybe then you get a penalty i would agree with that but if there isn't and it's a judgment call by nascar a driver should not be penalized from a fucking stupid deficiency with the gen 7 race car that's the way i see it brad k was proactive he got it out and no penalties I think that's the right call unless there is a specific rule in the rule book under whatever uh, whatever article we're talking about red flags it. That yeah. is, I want to say it was just something about like moving under a red flag. Like that was kind of like, I think it was like that general, like there was like a general rule there where like if it's red flag competition or whatever, and like I'm trying to go and dig to to figure this out, but you know, if you're in the comments, uh, or you're uh, you're listening to this on Spotify, you follow us on Twitter. You know, at Garage Guys FS, at Garage Guy Chase, at Dale Tanhart. You know, hit hit us with those tags, and then let us know if you've done the research, you've done the things to know. Uh, now it could be something that creates a rule, right? Like we've seen that happen a lot, especially we'll do circles under a red flag. Yeah, it, it might be uh, like no matter what. Die. <laughs> yeah, right. But that's the thing. That's why it's ludicrous to me. Is like. If you're sitting there and you know you're, or you think your car could be okay, why would you n- just not try to do something to get the fire out? Like, I get it. There's a rule. Like, if you climb out of your car, you're done. All the drivers know that. You climb out of your car, over. Sterling Marlin, 2002, Daytona 500, all time move, jumping out of the car to fix the fender. He got penalized. But in this situation, this is a new situation that I've never seen before where a car just, was about to catch on fire and we're sitting under a red flag. So it's kind of an unprecedented situation. So it, yeah, it just, it matters what's in the rule book. And, and uh, if NASCAR wants to leave it as a judgment because of that situation, I don't care. I don't think it's that big of a deal. I think it's smart by Brad K and he did not deserve to be penalized. Yeah. He thinks on his feet, man, but that that is what, like just, just to in that one, like the to close that one out, the, the beautiful thing about it, I think is, is that, that, that is the beauty of having a new car and you have new challenges and you have new, uh, you have new things pop up. Just like, you know, we saw what Chastain doing, what he did at Martinsville, like new, new people coming in. It's just the evolution of how everything changes and nothing is, stays the same. So it's, uh, it'll be interesting to see, but yeah, they rescinded that from what I've seen. And, uh, and, and that's done. Like what's done is done. It's law and you move on. 
Um, but it was it was a great race, and you know, as we we're getting ready to head into Darlington now, at the playoffs started, we're definitely going to be talking about some uh, some of the betting odds that have dropped. I have odds up from Caesars and Bet Rivers. Before we do dive in to uh, the uh, yeah, shout out to to Kurt um and and on his retirement and before we do dive into that i was definitely if you want to say a couple things about kurt i mean kurt bush a legend of the game uh a sex god uh the only person to really get up in bobby p's face and and just fucking take it like a man Uh, a man that has uh been in court and divorced from a potential spy the the life of this assassin and a fucking assassin, like some Mr. and Mrs. Smith shit. I mean, when you really look back at the history of Kurt Bush, it is a it is one for the ages. It is a ride of a lifetime. I would love to see some type of fucking spinoff documentary, you know, in a uh, it, 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 about him at some point. And now with Netflix getting this this deal with with uh, fucking NASCAR Dale Jr., who knows what could come from it, right? Maybe we'll get the Kurt Busch uh, sex god untold. You know, that's what I'm trying to see. That's the kind of stuff that I'm trying to look at. I think an untold on Kurt Busch would be dope. So there's uh, it, it's just a huge thank you to the man. And I think we all saw it coming. I mean, the writing's been on the wall, dude. I mean, he that is the. Is that the longest you may know this? Is that the longest somebody has just like been chilling after injury? Like, it, like how long does that does that last? Well, here's the thing. I think um, probably. But the deal is, it reminds nope. me it, it makes me sad, right? Like, I, I just can't look at this as a positive. I know Kurt uh, in his press conference did the best he could to turn it into that. He's still going to be affiliated with the team, but I know like you had to know going back to when he got hurt, he didn't, he never announced his retirement because he, he had to sit there and be like, I'm going to get better and I'm going to get back behind the wheel of a race car at some point. And that is what I said last year when it all happened. I was like, there's no way Kurt Busch is going to go out this way. Unfortunately, um, the injuries and he's got some other complications he talked about, but the injury is just is it's crazy to think, but at his age, this concussion combined with some of the like uh, gout, he said he's had, he has flare ups. It's really bad. Sometimes he struggles with walking the concussion combined with some of these other uh, deficiencies that he's got ha- have made it impossible for him to come back. Um, and he still said he wants to raise something at some point. But I hate it because you know what it reminds me of? Any Carolina Panthers fans out there, any NFL fans out there, uh, Luke Keekley, when he retired, he, he he was forced to retire early, one of the greatest linebackers of all time. He said, uh, I still want to play. I just don't think it's the right decision. And that killed me, killed me when that happened as a fan of his. And that's the same vibe I get out of Kurt is, you know he still wants to race, man. You know he wants to, but – physically it's just not there anymore and it it it, it kills me because he's an all-time wheel man a guy that raced the indy 500 he's raced all sorts of other disciplines uh throughout his career along with being a nascar champion daytona 500 champion the guy is an all-time wheel man and i grew up hating that motherfucker dude grew up hating him just like kyle i hated him hated 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 him not as bad as jimmy johnson but could not stand the bush brothers and uh, his maturity 
his maturity, uh, grooming into a or blooming into a Daytona 500 champion in 2017. His later years with Stuart Haas and Ganassi, he just turned into a likable guy, and it, it's a pretty cool character arc throughout Kurt's career with the issues he faced early on uh, as a very polarizing guy with Jimmy Spencer. Uh, he had some off the track problems, as you said, too. Nothing more compelling than somehow being married to a potential assassin. When has that ever happened? It with with fucking anybody you could think of. That's, That's really the only one I can think of. He like like yeah, the, the yeah. guy has lived a life that is extraordinary. And there's I didn't know that until a couple years ago. I mean, there's so much about there that we probably don't even know about Kurt Bush, you know, and right. what's going on. I mean, we know. You know, he's definitely had, you know, different women coming in and out of his life. It seems like he hasn't really settled. And that's, that's, a, I mean, you, you don't really have to do that. I mean, it just is what it is with that. But he was, he was married for was a while. Married, actually. Of course. And then, uh, not, not the assassin girl, but he was married to a, a woman named Ashley for a yeah. few years and they, they split up not super long ago, but to, to end all this. About a year ago, um, I would say. I mean, yeah, I, to, to end all this, I just want to say uh, I'm very, very thankful for Kurt Busch. Uh, he's the champion of my favorite NASCAR year ever as a child, which is 2004. And he's uh, he's provided my life with some passion. And I hate to see him go because you know he wants to race. And uh, just as a 27-year-old, you just kind of watch another little piece of your childhood slip away. But And that's a selfish thing. But for Kurt... Obviously, wish nothing but the best, and I can't, I can't thank him enough for his contributions to NASCAR as a, as a race fan. Uh, phenomenal character arc, and seems like a really good guy at this point in his life. And I hope he finds some peace and uh, gets behind the wheel of some kind of race car again to, to satisfy those needs along with uh, his NASCAR retirement. P.S. Thank you for eating at Hooters uh, randomly and seeing you at the Daytona Hooters. Here's yeah, drinking a. He was drinking a. Uh, what was he? He was drinking a Stella at the bar, drinking a Stella after the Daytona uh, Gen 7 test back yeah. in 2022. Kurt's a big Hooters guy, so we appreciate that. He definitely knows to use promo code Garage Guys when he goes to Hooters. Um, all right, so I guess that is uh, that that is about everything wrapped up for uh, the Coke Zero Sugar 400, all the things that have been happening in NASCAR. Uh, real quickly, uh, not something to get too deep into but uh carson hosevar is going to be getting a shot in the 42 at darlington which Saw is going to be pretty cool uh so shout out to to little carson for finding a way hopefully he'll have a nice hat to wear but let's go ahead and take a look forward now the southern 500 the cookout southern 500 at darlington raceway is upon us the first race of the round of 16, the playoffs have officially started. I know that I'm excited for this year. It's Kevin Harvick's final year. Uh, we're going into a track that is uh, the Lady in Black, man. It's just it's an iconic track, and it's a great way to kick things off. We will be on playback this weekend, playback.tv slash garage guys, watching that race, sweating these bets. We're about to go over some early lines for the cookout southern 500 so i know that caesars and bet rivers are the two books right now that have them early on uh here if you're listening to this on the podcast here on tuesday uh probably uh, a uh, late tuesday or, or early wednesday drop for this one odds should not change 
too drastically, but as they come out on different sports books, we'll have some more options. But I mean, just to start this out, I think I want to go ahead, Dale, and, and just make my claim here. Um, you know, I, I saw a post with Kevin Harvick on Twitter and they were talking about, you know, we're, we're here, we're in the playoffs, you know, him and Brad both got locked in, uh, two weeks ago. Uh, and now to know that this is his final year, Rodney Childers has been dealing with some issues with his personal issues. I know his mom has been going through some things from what I've seen on Twitter. It seems like for him not to have won a race so far this year, going to a track where he has had so much success at in these playoffs, I want to feel like Kevin Harvick could have some success in the playoffs. I want to feel like a final win for him could come. We haven't, you know, we all were thinking about Jimmy Johnson getting one in his last year and it didn't happen. I don't want to see Harvick go out that way. And I'm looking right now over on Caesar Sportsbook at Kevin Harvick to win at Darlington, 16 to 1. I understand SHR has not been that great, but when you look at playoff Harvick, playoff Childers, some of the things that have been going on, it just seems like we are getting ready for a big chunk of good energy to come to a team that has not had that good energy all year. I want to believe I like Kevin Harvick 16 to one this week to win at Darlington. And that's where I'm going to kick it off with. I don't hate that. I I feel like, I feel like if it's an energy thing, you can wait till after qualifying. Cause I think uh, the Gibbs and the Hendrick boys are going to shine and, own the early track position. So I think you could still probably grab something along those lines after practice qualifying, but uh, I do have to give a shout out. Talked earlier, the betting heartbreak at Daytona was horrendous. Two second place finishes. Grant Enfinger, thank you for winning a little bit of money back for me at the Milwaukee Mile. Hell of a race. Grant saved my weekend from total destruction. Um, and he was a guy I talked about all week. So I appreciate your grand end finger. That was Milwaukee. This is Darlington. And yeah, look, I think early on, I'm looking at uh, Martin Truex as a favorite five to one. Really kind of, I guess, let it slip away. Spun himself out at the end of one of those stages. Got wrecked by Chastain at the end. Man, I think Truex, he is the odds on favorite for a lot of reasons. I think he's going to be tough to beat. And speaking of that, Ross Chastain actually was better than Martin most of this race in the spring. I think Ross Chastain, 11 to 1, is a great bet. Talk about a guy that I think is going to turn it on when the playoffs start this weekend. Ross Chastain was phenomenal here in the spring. Phenomenal. He really let one slip away by, by crashing on that restart and taking a lot of guys with him. Uh, with only a few laps to go. 11-1 for Ross Chastain. I get the books. They're overvaluing. And I don't even want to say overvaluing. I want to say they're heavy on Gibbs and Hendrick to be the guys to beat. With Denny, uh, Larson, uh, William Byron won this race in the spring, primarily by circumstance, not by raw speed. But them uh, really, really liking those guys, I think gives an opportunity for Ross Chastain. Bet Rivers is the place to go because he's already been hit on Caesars. He was 10 to one. He is now eight to one. Ross Chastain outright 11 to one. I got a unit on that by the time you listen to this podcast. 
There we go. And that's the same that I'm looking at for Harvick. And there's another guy too. You talk about Hendrick, man. You know, we just got done, uh, you know, on the podcast, you know, recapping Daytona, talking about how Chase Elliott just didn't make the playoffs, man. He just couldn't find a way to get it done. And now, you, like you said, and like we all know, the pressure is, is off of the shoulders of this guy to make the playoffs. Now he's just out there for fun. You don't want to picture a world where Chase Elliott doesn't get a win now. I mean, that's the next thing that we're looking at here. So I'm looking on the books, Bet Rivers, 16 to 1 for Chase Elliott. What a way to just come out and just say, who gives a shit? Then by the first race of the playoffs, finding a way to get to the front and win here. And when you look at his statistics, man, I mean, he finished third here the last race that we had at Darlington. Um, it's one of those tracks that he's talked about where, you know, he wants to be able to kind of find a way to come into his own, get a win. He hasn't gotten a win yet here, but he's been close, man. And I could definitely see something, the irony of him finally getting a win the week after the playoffs in. Like, I just, I, I don't know. I don't know how you feel about it. I personally could see it, but I don't mind 16 to 1 on Chase Elliott with all of the pressure off the shoulders if there even was pressure to begin with. You got to think that there was, right? But it's, uh, yeah, I'm, uh, makes sense. I guess I'm just worried about the raw speed of the nine. They've been good, they've been pretty consistent, just haven't had the winning speed. I think the one track that they did have raw winning speed at was the indy road course and michael mcdowell was just a little bit better than chase a few weeks ago at indy but i'm gonna look at a guy that also was good in the spring he didn't have the best car but he hung around up in the top five the majority of the race i'm gonna look at kyle bush uh been kind of quiet recently right been kind of quiet won a few races this year knocked off talladega st louis uh fontana i think this is a Got to watch out for Kyle Busch. I think he's about to get hot, too. Uh, been real quiet during the summer months. Looking at 12 to 1. I love Kyle Busch. This has been a great track for him. Probably had this race won last year before all the Toyotas broke apart. If you guys remember this race last year, it should have been won by him or Truex. And early Gen 7 Gremlins, Toyotas all broke and died. And Truex and Kyle Busch both did in the waning laps, which gave the win to Eric Jones. And a Joe Gibbs racing driver named Denny Hamlin finished second. Uh, and he was the only remaining Gibbs car without that problem, I think. So um, Kyle, to sum up, Kyle Busch has a great Darlington resume and was in position to win this race last year. It ran great here in the spring. Love Kyle Busch at 12-1. to 1. I think that's totally worth a shot uh, for this weekend's Southern 500. Yeah, the 12 to 1. Kyle Bush, I mean, the eight car. I mean, we saw what Tyler Reddick could do here. Tyler Reddick's another guy with the Toyota. If Toyota does well here, uh, to be on the lookout for, I think he's like 15 to 1 on Bet Rivers. And then they have him over on Caesars at 15 to 1 as well. So they're kind of the same right there across the board. But yeah, that eight car RCR. I mean, we've seen Austin Dillon almost try to compete for a win here a few years back. It was granted, it was a different car. But uh, the the driver's skill there, it, it seems like he's one that I'll, I'm always wanting to bet a top 10 on. Going down the line some and looking at some more of the long shot bets here, I don't think that, that we can go on this show without talking about what Eric Jones did last year. 
right now over on Bet Rivers, he is at 40 to 1 uh, to win this race. Now, this is a very different year with Legacy. No speed. Uh, yeah, it's not the same as it was, but you can definitely say that when it comes to just pure driver ability with speed to the side, you have to have that. But pure driver ability, Eric Jones is a guy that it, that he has just engulfed and understood. Like he is, he has padded it down. He is, he, he's made love metaphorically to Darlington. Like he knows everything the lady in black needs. Like some may say he's married to it. You know, I feel like he was able to do what was the eye racing when in 2020 he was, he came out of nowhere, got that done. Then for him to actually solidify it in real life, he's, you know, he, for so many years he was up there running, but there, there are going to be people that bet on Eric Jones just because of that factor alone. If you are one of those people, 40 to one, uh, as a dog, on uh on on bet rivers right now and we'll see where all that goes i I have a feeling that that's probably not going to move after qualifying at all and it may get longer i like um i'm worried about the speed right i'm worried about the speed that's that's a valid concern (laughs) yeah they're yeah i mean they're getting no support from chevy anymore we know this i mean they're just brutally brutally slow um so they just don't have the resources to give them good race cars until 2024 when they make the switch to Toyota. So I'll stay away from Eric. If he beats me, he beats me. Um, Looking at some guys, Ricky Stenhouse is going to be 100 to 1. Austin Dillon is 200 to 1. I'm not saying bet those outright. Keep an eye on those top fives, top tens. Like you talk about Austin Dillon, had some good results here. He's had some good results. He's a teammate of Kyle Busch, who I think is going to be fast. I think RCR is going to be good. I think they're going to bring good race cars. Historically, both drivers have had success. Keep an eye out for an Austin Dillon top five, top 10 line when that drops. Same with Ricky Stenhouse. He's had a couple top tens here as well in recent years. Uh, this has been his best year ever from a consistency standpoint. I like Ricky Stenhouse for a top 10. Now, it will depend on what line you grab it at. Finished 13th in the spring here. So, uh, had a good car. He qualified up in the top five. He had speed. And, you kind of see how that Hendrick Alliance has helped this car get a little bit better and Ricky in a breakout year for himself uh, with his driver talents and being a Daytona 500 champion. Confidence is there. I'm not saying Ricky's going to come out here and win, but I do like the idea of getting a Ricky top 10. Three to one, four to one, I think could be worth a unit on that as well as Austin Dillon, who might be uh, five to one for a top 10, four to one. Wait and see what those odds are like. If you can get a 10 to 1 or more top 5, I like both of those guys in that category. So those are kind of what I'm looking at at underdogs. Um, Other than that, I I probably am going to lock in Kyle Busch outright. Definitely locking in Raw Shastain outright. Uh, Everything else, I think it's a good idea to wait and see. I'll go ahead and tell you one thing. Our Discord, talking about Joey Logano, thinking great value at 18 to 1, 16 to 1. Former or last year's champion. My bold prediction here: I think Joey Logano misses the round of twelve. I'm fading him this whole first round, which I think leads us in. Before we get off of here, predictions for your four first four guys out of the playoffs in this sixteen man group. Well, I'm not done talking about bets just yet, so I will circle back to you on that. I do have one more guy that I want to mention. 
And that's just from looking here on this book right now. I, I had a little idea pop into my head about a couple of shows that we've done, especially with my DFS background, always making sure that I have this guy in my lineups. Now, because of what just happened this past week, a lot of people are probably going to avoid him because you never want to think that a guy can go back to back at a place from Daytona going into Darlington. Oh, God. I have mean, seen a guy go back to back between Michigan and Richmond. Chris Busher, 25 to 1 to win at Darlington. And let me state my case on this before we get just a little something to chew on for you guys. This man has got three wins plus the Daytona dual win locked in, basically, right? So, because I think you said four wins total this year. I know. No, he, he won season. that. That was he won last the, year. Yeah, he won Bristol last year. That's the four that so three in the last two years. Right there. Three so this that, year. Yeah. Three races right there. I, I, I was, I'm sure that's what it was. It was three races this year that he's won. You know, last year, uh, you know, he finished 26th and 16th in 2022, right? He finished 10th here uh, in May when we were at Darlington. Now, he in 2021, he finished in the top 10. He got those down. He's he's a guy that's able to go from the back to the front. You, you can seem to always want to count if it's a good place differential potential. But with three wins, the money from that, the energy of that rolling into the playoffs, what does this mean for a guy like Chris Busher that that has shown that he can get these top tens here? He has shown that this track doesn't intimidate him uh, like many may have thought in years past. And at twenty five to one for him to win on Bet Rivers, and look on Caesars, the man is eighteen to one right now. I don't know where he actually opened. He may have opened at eighteen to one on Caesars, but he, with him being at twenty five to one on Bet Rivers, I want to get on that because. If, if that money's rolling into RFK after these three wins and the energy is that high, this dude may get out there and just whip it down and go ahead and just get started early, sawing it down. Like, I mean, everybody's talking about how deep can he go? You know, how, how long is it going to last? I do think that this is a decent track for Chris Busher. And at 25 to 1, I feel like I want to sprinkle a little something on that. So something for you to chew on right there. That's just a really big difference that, that I'm looking at between Caesars and Bet Rivers right now. So... I think I'm going to take a little bit of advantage uh, on uh, putting a little sprinkle there just to go for it. I, I like the energy. I like where things are shifting for them right now. But yeah, he continues to prove everybody wrong. I don't. A lot of people didn't really bet on him last week, and he went out there and got another one. Yeah, I mean, Keselowski was the one everybody was looking at, and, uh, and, and it's fair. But, yeah, it's just like when guys start winning like that that haven't really won in years past, you kind of want to say, okay, well, they got their win, and he does it again. You still end up not thinking he's going to be able to do it again, and then boom, there he goes. So I'm not sleeping on that shit anymore is basically what I'm saying. Um, it, it, now, getting into the round of 16, who are my four drivers? Um, so getting everything pulled up, the Joey Logano deal, just based off of what things have been like for him this year, I am probably going to say that, that I'm going to roll into that with you, right? because he is the guy that everybody wants to think can get to the end. It is Penske. You want to believe, especially with his status. But, hey, you said in the beginning of the season, we all knew it. Championship hangover year, right? Ah, I'm glad you remember that. It yep. Makes sense that he would not be able to be able to run forward. So I'm going to go with you on the Logano 
side of things. I'm also going to throw Michael McDowell into that bracket with the races that we have coming up. I think Michael McDowell will be out in this round. Um, I'm also going to say that we're probably going to see it's easy to want to say uh, like Ricky Stenhouse, but I, I it's more of an emotional side of it for me, I guess. Like I, I want to see Ricky push through. And I think that with the strength that they have, like with Darlington, we have Darlington, we have Kansas. And what is, what is the other that we Crystal. have? Crystal. With those races right there, when I'm like trying to compare him to someone like, um, I guess a, a Brad K, right? Like Brad would be the uh, Brad has been able to shave out. I know Brad has a good opportunity to do well at Bristol, uh, Kansas. I think that's a little going to be a little bit more shifted towards Ricky and Darlington. So that's kind of why I want to say I don't think Ricky's going to be out. But Joey McDowell, um, God, it's it's tough, isn't it? It is because it's like, but but I, I have to think like logically, right? At, at this point, so. I think the easy answers here are Joey, Michael, Ricky, and and Brad. That's that that's the easy four that you could pick on to, to say they they would get out of there. Wow. I um okay, okay. I disagree with Brad. I'll go ahead and tell you right now, I gave a championship four, you know, early in the season. I think Brad K is gonna make the championship four. What? The guy has been so damn consistent at all these racetracks other than road courses. He really has. And, I mean, knocking on the door of a win. Knocking on the door. Getting hot at the right time. Like, yeah, Chris Buescher is the example of that. But Brad Kay has got the veteran savviness, the veteran experience, the former champion. And he's got to be so fucking hungry, man. Please, win a race. I think Brad Kay sneaks in the championship four. Um, but we're talking about first four out. I'm going to go with Michael McDowell, Joey Logano, Tyler Reddick. Love Red Dog, but the amount of mistakes, teams that make big mistakes suffer in these moments. And I think that's what's going to happen to the Red Dog. Kansas is going to be a great track for him and Bubba. But Bristol, not a great track for him. Darlington, he was good here last year, and I think he got a top 10 here uh, earlier this year. But too many mistakes, too many mistakes. So I'm going to go with McDowell, Red Dog, Logano, the fourth one is tough. I'll go with Ricky just because, yeah, like you said, logically, this is the the big underdog team out of everybody in the playoffs alongside McDowell. And I just think they haven't accumulated enough points to give themselves a cushion when these Hendrick guys and these Gibbs guys and Penske guys uh, really start turning it up. So think I, I, that's my four mcdowell ricky red dog logano and so i gave my logical i gave the logical four right the ones that you would think i don't think brad is a, is on the logical side because he's been good man he's been so good recently he, he has but if you got that feeling you got that feeling but it's not me personally has it i just personally think that the majority of people would think that me personally i had to look at this a little bit more and this is where I'm going with it from my gut and emotional because there's no way that I'm going to count Ricky out. I, I feel like I can't do that. Like Michael, Joey, I'm going to say Blaney just because of him only being able to get that one win 
this year so far in Charlotte and coming into these next three, I think that your your thing with Reddick, like I, I want to remind everybody because I know a lot of it's not like official news or anything, but like I've had my talks. Okay, I'm a reporter. He's getting new crew members. He is getting a new squad, some new arms that are going to be coming in to help him through this playoff stretch. So I'm not ready to count him out early because of that. And you call it hearsay, speculation, whatever. I'm going to trust my sources on this one. And I think that we do see Reddick have kind of a bounce back. I'm not ready to count him out just yet. But I'm going to go Logano, Blaney. So that's two Penske guys. I'm going to go with McDowell. And then I'm going to probably have to wrap it up with, with Brad again. So I will say that, that Brad, I, whether he's so like, you're changing your mind. You're going to say Ricky gets through. Okay. I'm going to say Ricky gets through. That's basically it because I do like where he's at with Darlington. And I know that with Kansas, he could shave off a good finish. He's been decent at the intermediates and then going into Bristol. That's really the only tricky one. And that is the only one that I would probably give Brad the advantage on because of what he was able to do last year. So, I'm I'm just there with it, but I do think that Blaney and Lagana, it's going to be a big blow for Penske, but uh, I, I just well, the, I don't see it. Yeah, I mean, not a lot of momentum. Uh, I will say that for either of the guys, but I'm gonna go and give my championship four just for the record. Uh, while we're here, mm-hmm. William Byron, Denny Hamlin, Martin Truex. And Brad Keselowski are the championship for this year. I know I took the top three, but God damn, these Denny is the sleeper here. So I don't think he'll win it, but Denny's got a lot of good tracks in this playoff. He's been in this situation so many times. I think he gets there with his Truex teammate. I think Willie B, it's, it could be a destiny season for William Byron in that 24 car. And I think Brad K is the fourth guy that makes a championship for him. And that's where I'm done. I'm tired as fuck, dude. Yeah, I hear you on that one. I'll go ahead and give mine out. Not much has changed. I have two outrights, uh, two championship tickets. The first one I took this year, Ross Chastain. I think he's going to be in the championship four again. William Byron, definitely. Denny Hamlin, definitely. And then my fourth one, probably going to be like it's a teeter. It's a teeter totter area. Earlier in the year, I liked like Reddick, right? I, I don't know how deep we'll see Reddick get. I'm going to go ahead and say that Kevin Harvick makes a gigantic climb. He's going to find a way. Him and Rodney are going to find a fucking way, and we're going to actually get to see a driver of his status, his worth on his retirement year, make it there. Four in the four. All right, so Byron, Hamlin, uh, we had Chastain and Harvick. That's my guys. Yeah, look. Byron wins. I think Byron Harvick. Harvick is my sentimental favorite for sure. Um, I hope he, I hope he gets there. I hope he wins it. It'd be awesome. Nobody has ever walked it off to win a championship in NASCAR, at least in the modern era. I don't know. I don't think ever, but regardless, that's my sentimental favorite. I hope Harvick goes out of champ and it, it, at the least wins a race. He's got to win a race in these final 10. So I hope it happens. But yeah, those are predictions right there along with bets for this weekend. Southern 500 going to be fun. The Xfinity race. Probably going to be better, but the Southern 500 going to be amazing, too. Can't wait for it. Remember, you can watch it, sweat some bets with me this weekend on playback.tv slash garage, guys. You never know who's going to show up there to uh, to watch some stages with us. Always great conversation in the chat and just always a fun time, a fun vibe on a Sunday. So if you don't have anybody to watch the race with, come watch it with me. 
playback.tv slash garage guys uh definitely keep up with uh with everything that we have going on on action network dale and i are both verified betters on action network and you can tail our picks week to week with the simple thumb taps okay you just go to the action network there's a link that's in our bio it's actually in a lot of my bios the linktree.com slash garage guys you can find both of our links there or you can just search our names uh in action network on google you'll find our profiles you'll be able to follow our picks each week and uh aside from that man it's just uh, another big shout out to worldwide technology raceway everybody that works there the indycar race this year i'll be talking a little bit more about the indycar race on the garage guys report motorsports news for you that will be coming out now on wednesday because of the amount of just sleep that we both need to get i know me personally i want to make sure that that show is good for everybody so i will have a new garage guys report out on wednesday uh, with some other new things so just be following me on twitter at garage guy chase to find out all of the updates on that and some other things going on with garage guys you know to follow us at garage guys fs collectively and make sure you follow Dale Tanhart as well at Dale Tanhart everywhere on social media. But this has been the uh, the NASCAR betting preview, as well as the uh, the NASCAR uh, podcast for Garage Guys. So two parts, cutting it up. The betting part uh, is here for your YouTube viewing pleasure and for your ears if you've listened to this whole thing. And we appreciate you spending time with us as we are very tired boys. But uh, that's a wrap. That's a wrap, I guess. Uh, thanks for listening. Have you checked out DailyDownForce.com yet? If you haven't, I want you to go right now to DailyDownForce.com and get yourself some official Garage Guys merch. If you consider yourself a true loyal Garage Fam member, then you're going to need to show it off to the world. You can buy yourself a Garage Guys rope hat, a Garage Guys trucker hat, an official Garage Guys t-shirt. And if you remember NASCAT from Auto Club, you can show how much you care by supporting NASCAR's Harambe, NASCAT. You can find betting articles each week from Dale Tanhart and NASCAR Titan Greg Mathern. It's got everything you need. DailyDownForce.com. Now back to the podcast.